0: If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxodeo Fighad Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. We are in week two of our series on love in action, and I want to start this evening by asking you this question. What would you consider to be an act of extravagant love in your life? Let's take the five love languages quickly. So I want some crowd participation, if you're okay with that. So where are all the quality time people? You need to sit face-to-face, no distractions, no cell phones, no interruptions, just one-on-one quality time. You feel loved. All right. Where are the words of affirmation, people? Come on, wave at me. Yes. I want to hear you say you love me. (laughs) All right. Uh, Gifts. Where are the gifts, people? I heard someone say that it doesn't matter if it's a big or a small gift. It's all in the, the fact that you thought of me when you bought that one chocolate smarty box. All right. Acts of service. When you do stuff for me, I feel loved. Come on. Yes. Most important one, physical touch. Where are you guys? Come on. Give me some love. (laughs) If you're sitting next to someone, just gently touch their shoulder and just continue to do so for the rest of the evening without being awkward and weird. (laughs) Uh, I want to quickly show you, uh, there's a, there was a guy in history that really wanted to communicate his love for his wife, and he built a little monument in India, which is called the Taj Mahal. I brought a picture with so that you can watch it. And the only purpose for this building that you're going to see in two seconds' time is the fact that he wanted to communicate his love for his wife. Yes, there we go. This thing, if you uh, convert it back to uh, the worth of it in rands right now, eight billion rand. It took 20,000 construction workers 20 years to build this thing. It's got 40 different precious stones within that building. Only to communicate his love for his bride. I really Googled, like went for the deep end AI vibes to really find his wife's response. Nowhere to be found. I suppose silence is also an answer. She was probably not too impressed with this thing. Would you be impressed? Okay. In terms of God's love for this world, we've spoken about this verse, John chapter 3, verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, should not perish but have eternal life. The greatest display, extravagant expression of the love of God for the world is in His Son, Jesus Christ, dying on a cross. But more than that, when God actually came and explained in His Son how much He loves the world, That created a movement where the Holy Spirit came and He indwelled the church. We are filled now with the Spirit and the love that God has for His Son and the world is now within us. And we become agents and carriers of that love in this world. The best expression of God's love at this moment is your life and my life on display in this world. Yes, the cross communicated the value that God sees in this world and also the glory of His Son explained. But now we become carriers of that love in this world. Now we're asking the question why did God love the world that much? I think first and foremost, it's important to know that the world is His, He created the world, it does not belong to Satan. I don't know why some preachers preach that there's this cosmic war where God is trying to get back the world from Satan. Nonsense. It was his from the beginning, it will be his in eternity. He loves the world. His his fingerprints, his creativity is in the world. He loves it because it belongs to him. And we become messengers of that love. In this world. You see, God didn't just give something to just, you know, display a small amount of His love. He gave everything. He gave His Son, He gave His best to communicate the depth of His love for the world. The question that we're asking tonight then is who is the world that John is speaking about? God so loved the world. What does that mean? Is it the greater cosmos, the universe? Uh, Is it the planets? Is it the Milky Way? Is it the actual earth? (laughs) No. Yes. (laughs) But in this instance, God is saying, I love the world. People. People. All people. What do we mean by this? Because if you go and study scripture and history, who are these people that God so loves? Rebels, sinners, murderers, enemies of God. He loves the world that is actually against Him, that rebels against Him, that rejects Him. That is the kind of love that God has for each and every person in this world. Well, how's that possible? You see, because as a church, we say as a doxado family, we believe that we're not only called to be a nice church on a Sunday, we're actually called to be a church for the city. I didn't say it so beautifully at our leaders meeting this afternoon. I'm going to try and quote it. The church does not have a mission God's mission of love has a church. He uses the church to bring about his love and his glory and his grace into a broken city like the city of Bloom. God wants to use us to do that. So we have to understand this world that he's speaking about is probably people that does not qualify for that kind of love. That's why Jesus said, Luke chapter 6, verse 32. Maybe you can read that with me. He says, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And even if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full, but love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Eesh, I need water for that. Anyone who just wants to take a break with me for a moment. Whew. All right. So it seems like the kind of love that God has for the world is not the mushy, Valentine's-feeling kind of love. It's the kind of love that is extended to enemies of Him, people that reject Him. How is that possible? And I want you to go with me on a journey tonight in the book of Acts. We're preaching through a few stories in the book of Acts to, to discover how God's love, this love that he had for the world, is put into action. And I want to share a quick story with you out of the book of Acts chapter 10. I'm not going to read it there. I'm just going to tell you the context. Basically, this story starts with a guy named Cornelius. He was a Roman centurion. What does that mean? A Roman centurion was a kind of captain of soldiers of a hundred or so. And he was in charge of taking the Roman government to the streets. Specifically in terms of the Jewish communities. So the Jews hated the Roman centurions. They were violent. So they were also scared of these guys. So... The story starts with this Roman centurion called Cornelius. He was, a, he was a Gentile. He wasn't part of the Jewish community at that stage. But it's interesting. The Bible says he was God-fearing. He wasn't saved yet, but he acknowledged God. He gave to the poor. He lived a kind of godly kind of life, but he hasn't been exposed to the good news of Jesus yet. And then With an angel appearing to him, he says, Your offerings for the poor has been going before God, and he sees you, but I want you to go to a guy named Peter. Go and find him. So immediately Cornelius sends this group of soldiers into the city to go and find Peter. Can you imagine this (laughs) Roman army looking for Peter? Uh, I can imagine the, the, the uproarings in the city. Like, whoa, oh, they're coming for us. Poor Peter, I mean, he's just in the cellar, he's hiding away, kind of. But they're looking for him. The Bible said at this moment, Peter was not in a cellar, he was actually on a roof praying. Dumb mistake. If someone is looking for you and they're your enemy, don't hide on a roof basics. He's praying on a roof. The Bible says he got hungry. Who of you get hungry when you pray? It seems like that's my problem always. So I always have a bit of a snack when I'm praying. He gets hungry and while people are preparing food for him, he got this vision out of heaven, a massive sheet of linen appearing from heaven with a lot of animals on it. Uh, reptiles, birds, uh, four-footed animals coming down from heaven. And in his vision, he sees Jesus speaking to him. And Jesus says, Peter, kill and eat. And in verse 14, incredible, verse 14 of uh, Acts chapter 10, he says, surely not. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And then God responds or Jesus responds and he says don't call anything impure that God has made clean. I don't know about you but I'm not a I'm not into backchatting Jesus. When he gives you a command, kill and eat. You freaking do it. But this guy had a bit of an issue He's a back chatter. He says to Jesus, surely not. I mean, not a very w- second unwise thing to do. You don't hide on a roof. You don't back chat Jesus. But you have to understand what's, what's happening here. Jesus shows him this vision three times. Then the army of Cornelius comes to his house. They bring him back to the house of Cornelius with a lot of Gentiles there. And then Peter started preaching the gospel to these guys. Next moment, the Holy Spirit fell on them. They got saved. They got baptized right there in Cornelius' house. Peter was astonished. You see, up until that point, if you go and reach church history, you would find that this moment in Acts chapter 10 was the first time that Gentiles were added to the church of Jesus. Up until this point, they only had heard rumors of it. But when Peter saw the Spirit fall on them, it was evidence that the Holy Spirit came and brought rebirth or new life or salvation to the Gentiles. They were included. This was a Revolutionary moment in the church. Peter could not believe it. Okay, Eugene, but I mean, why is this so cool? Because my friend, you're also a Gentile. Just say that to yourself. I are a Gentile. (laughs) I'm a heathen. Any Jews in the house, is there anyone who's like Jew, Jewish background, Okay, the rest of us were Gentiles. Great. All on the same page. <laughs> what was the issue here? Peter was saved. He was baptized. He was filled with the Spirit, but something in his heart was not right. Jesus, Jesus showed this vision to him to address something in his heart with regards to God-loving people. Let me give you a bit of background. So the Mosaic law of, of the Jews stated that you weren't supposed to eat reptiles, birds, pork. No bacon, no pork belly, no ham on pizza. No oopsies on a braai. Nothing. They weren't supposed to eat birds and reptiles. Why? You might ask. Well, you see, what happened is God came and He chose the Jews for a specific purpose. He set them apart from all the other nations to come and be in covenant with him, to display his love for the world to that specific people. So he set them apart from all the other nations to establish in them the good news of a God who loves the world. So the Gentiles or the heathens at that stage ate pork, reptiles, birds, and God wanted to show his mercy and love to these people and he set them apart for himself. But what happens with people when they feel they are set apart for something special? You quickly forget the fact that this act of God for setting you apart is actually for a purpose. Let me give you an example. Okay, before I do that, probably what happened is the Jews and Peter forgot forgot something in the process of God's love they started to focus more on the fact not that they were chosen but they started to focus on who's excluded who's not part of God's special community they lost focus of the fact that why they were actually brought out they started to celebrate the fact that they're included and others not go and read the bible The Jews started to call the Gentiles unclean. They started to actually call the Gentiles dogs. Let me give you a right now, real modern day example of this. So I have three boys. Where are you going with this Eugene? Yeah, you'll see now. Oldest one is six, middle child three, baby one. What I do is like every month or two, in two months, I take one of these guys for like a mandate, like dad and man date. Just the two of us. I take my oldest, Christopher, to the arcade games in Mimosa Mall to win tickets. That's our date. The other two are not invited. We go. Our middle child, Franny, he's easy to please. So we just go for an ice cream at McDonald's. He's like in heaven. I take the baby for a stroll and then he sleeps. Okay, that's our special date. <laughs> but what would happen is when I take, usually it happens with Franny, I don't know why, but when I take him on a mandate, he would, for the three or four hours leading up to that, publicly proclaim in the household that no one else is invited. Christopher, you're not going with because it's dad and it's our time. Daniel, you're not going with. Mama, you're not going with. That is exactly exactly what happened here with the Jews. They started to focus more on who's excluded than the fact that they were actually called out or separated for a purpose. They forgot that God actually loves the Gentiles. Romans chapter 9, Paul is actually quoting a a, a prophecy out of the book of Hosea, where God directly proclaims how how He loves the Gentiles. Read it with me. As indeed, he says in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. That was God's intention from the beginning. He loves everyone. If you ever hear a teaching of We are God's chosen people. That, my friend, is nonsense. Quote Hosea to them. Quote Romans to them. God loves everyone. But not only did they forget that God loves the Gentiles, the Jews also forgot the fact that God set them apart for a specific reason. Listen to Isaiah 49, verse 6. The prophet says, It's too small a thing for you to be my servant ...to restore the tribes of Jacob or Israel and bring back those of Israel. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. What happens when we take the love of God out of religion? We forget that God loves everyone... And we forget that we are set apart to bring the love of God to everyone. So, yes, we we don't speak about Jews and Gentiles anymore. But, friend, let me tell you the church of Jesus, so many times, was so busy with themselves, with issues within the church, the fact that we are so special. The fact that we worship better than that church. That they forgot that we have been set apart to bring the love of God to the brokenness of our society. You see, when the church is busy with that mission, it seems as if all the other nonsense is not so important anymore. Because we're focused to bring God's love to a broken society. Peter had to have that moment of the sheet to experience a change of heart. You see, Peter struggled to love the Gentiles from the beginning. At the moment where he stepped out onto the water, what happened next? He had glory for two seconds, then he sunk. Why did he sink? He didn't trust Jesus. That's what we have been taught. If you go and study the context of that specific piece, you would find that up until that point, Jesus and the disciples were only ministering to the Jews. And now Jesus is telling them, guys, we're going to go to the other side, the Gentile side, the Canaanite side. We're going to bring the good news of the kingdom of God to them. They were not very happy with that. So there's a moment where Peter now steps out into the water, trusting Jesus for this mission that they're on. And then he doubts. What? He doubted the fact that God's love was for them. Peter ended up in a fight with the apostle Paul about this very thing. You see, what happened was Peter was All, you know, Mr. Popular at that stage. So he would eat with some of the Gentiles that were now added to the church. But when the Jews and the Pharisees came in, he would distance himself again from them. And Paul took him right front and center and said, what are you busy with? (laughs) It was at this moment, Jesus had to show him this vision Three times before he got it. Where he had a change of heart and he saw the love of Jesus in the Gentiles. After this, he became a defender of the ministry to everyone. He actually at the Jerusalem council, when they spoke about the fact that all the nations are now coming into the church, he actually made a very good speech to convince the guys we should let them in. So we are speaking as a church on this thing of loving a city, putting love into action. My friend, the first thing for us before we do anything is to have this Peter moment to see the sheet and don't call unclean what God has called clean. Let me share with you two of my stories of these moments where I saw the sheet, the vision. I was a first-year theology student, an intern in the church in Doxodayo, all fired up for God. Didn't want to study, but wanted to preach and worship and all the nice things. And I was placed in my intern year at a ministry we were going on a Thursday morning to the maximum prison to preach their Bible course. So we would go into the maximum prison, they would strip search us. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) You can't take anything in there. We would go in week after week on a Thursday morning and take one book of the Bible and just preach it to these guys and teach them out of the Bible. We got to love them. Some of them came to Christ, came to salvation, started to walk with with us in terms of discipleship. And there was this one guy that I really felt that God was calling me to walk a bit of a road with him. So we befriended each other. I started discipling this guy. He's in maximum prison. And one day I asked him, along in our relational journey, I asked him, just tell me why you're here. And he said the following, he says, I came in when a guy was raping my daughter and I killed him. And I thought to myself, sure, that's hectic. As I left the prison, the prison guard called me and said, he's lying to you, it was him. At that moment, it felt like my whole world was falling apart. I was walking a road of love with this guy, but at that moment, my love was challenged to the very core. Do I really love people? even in their broken state. And what we said last week, it was very nice to say it then, but when it comes to these moments, it's not so easy. When we said that when we love people, we have to disconnect behavior from value. If you take a hundred rand folded up and you take a brand new hundred rand, the one that's folded up and dirty, And the one that's brand new still has the same value. Love is based on value. That was a moment for me. That was a Peter moment for me. Another one, a few months back, we were driving. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw a black lady full of blood next to the road. Obviously, I stop. My three boys are in the car. My wife is there. I stop, try to help her, give her water, give her some food. We call the police. We call the um, area security just to come and help. Next moment, a vehicle stops there. It's one of those black vehicles with the black windows with a specific political uh, logo on it. And I saw that it was a politician. And I have to confess, in that moment, I was angry. Because I thought to myself, it's because of you guys that these things happen. This guy gets out of his car. We have a bit of a conversation. I tell him the scenario. And he says, no, he wants to help. Because he sees that I've got three kids and a wife. So he would take her to the hospital and then to the police station. And immediately in my heart was judgment, distrust, I thought to myself, what are you up to? So obviously, I couldn't take the girl, so I said, you can take her, but I followed him to the hospital and to the police station. So afterwards, me and this guy, he's a politician in our city, started conversations. He was flabbergasted by the fact that a white guy stopped and helped a black lady. I discovered that he's actually a Christian. He loves Jesus. And we started a conversation about the brokenness of our city and what we can do as church and politics to better the brokenness and the pain in our city. My heart was challenged in that moment. I had a Peter moment. You see, my friend... Before we get love in action, we first need to ask ourselves, do we really believe that God's love is for the world? And it starts with your world. God so loves Eugene's world. I have boys in my life. I have a wife. I live in Fichar Park. I live in Bloom. I live in a beautiful province called the Free State. Anyone excited about the Free State? Come on. Yes. We don't have mountains and oceans, but we've got corn and people, man. I love this place. Milis in Mensa. We're in South Africa. We're in Africa. We're in the world. God so loved the world. Maybe the worship guys can join me because I want us not to miss this moment. Who are the Cornelius sisters in your life? Who's the Cornelius? The person that you Maybe subconsciously, struggle to love. For whatever reason, maybe you're hurt by people, maybe you're disappointed by people, maybe you you think you're superior to others. I don't know the reason. But can I invite you tonight to ask Jesus for that moment of clarity? that moment where all your categories and your rankings of people are broken down into one the love of god for humanity the value that god sees in every individual's life what we did is what we did as a team is we prepared some little cards on our two ministry boards with just one small act of love that you can start doing this week with one person. Don't think about the masses, think about the one. But I want you to come and take a card and not think of a friend, a family member, a colleague. I want you to think, who's Cornelius in my life? And take just one step. It's Very easy, like actionable, small little things of love. And I think God is saying that as well. (laughs) But listen to this. Why Why do we do this? It's because of this thing. God's love is for the world, but God's love is always first. Any other religion? You have to perform, you have to work your way towards God, and then He loves you. The God of the Bible, the Christian God says, we love because He loved first. That's the Christian faith. We love first. It's an upside down kingdom. It's against the culture, it's against the grain, but we follow this Jesus who loved the world. Our worship team is gonna minister a song to you. It's called For the One because that's where it starts. It doesn't start with the whole city. It starts with one person, one Cornelius that you say, Lord, break my heart for this person. Stand with me and I wanna pray for you. And the worship guys is gonna minister to us and you can go and grab yourself a, a small ministry card. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, as we listen to these words tonight and to your incredible stories of love and your, the scriptures where you explain love, our hearts are, are yearning, Lord, to be broken again with your love for people. So God, I pray that you would s- smash the walls In our hearts, that you would help us cross the barriers and borders that we have created for ourselves when it comes to your love, God. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. Let us see value, your value in people. Bring us to a place tonight, Lord, where we have a Peter Vision moment. We pray this in your name. Amen. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with him. We are all about family on mission.